Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. Last week, Debbie asked me what I was preaching on this morning, and uh, I said, I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit. Debbie said, again? <laughs> now, it, 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 at first, you know, my, my reaction is, what do you mean again? I mean, on the other hand, I thought, that's pretty neat. She's picking up on this thing. We've been working our way through the book of Acts, and what we're seeing is that the history, the opening pages of the history of the church is all about the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we know that uh, uh, one of the, uh, the maps for the book of Acts is 1-8, you know, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, and the book of Acts shows how the gospel spreads out in all these uh, ever-expanding circles. But the other sort of theme verse of the book of Acts is in chapter 2 when Peter was preaching to the folks on the day of Pentecost, and he said, these guys aren't drunk. You know, all the believers have been given the Holy Spirit, and they started uh, proclaiming the gospel in languages that everybody could understand, but it was just an amazing thing. And uh, some folks were explaining it away through uh, uh, inebriation. And Peter said, these guys aren't drunk. Actually, what you're seeing is the fulfillment that God, uh, of the promise that God made uh, through the prophet Joel when he said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And what we are seeing in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit poured out on more and more and more people. Upon those Jewish folks in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit poured out upon them. Upon the Gentile household of Cornelius, the Holy Spirit poured out upon him. And now here, uh, these sort of in-between believers, believing in John the Baptist and yet not believing in Jesus Christ and the, the message going out that there's not two plans, the Jesus plan and the John the Baptist plan, but there's just one Lord, one Savior, one Christ. His name is Jesus. And as they grasp that fact, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them in a very evident way. And so, yes, I want to preach on the Holy Spirit this morning because that's what this book is really all about. There's some 55 or so references to the Holy Spirit up to this point, up through chapter 20, really, uh, in the book of Acts. After that, there's only one or two. I don't know why that is, but, uh, but we, we, we've just been tracking uh, the work of the Holy Spirit coming through the book of Acts. So this morning, again, again, I would like to preach on the, uh, the book of Acts, uh, on, the, on the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Now, when I was in college, my first year, my freshman year, my first semester, um, I got involved in a, um, a sort of a Bible study kind of uh, fellowship and group. Uh, it wasn't because I was particularly um, uh, religious, mind you, or spiritual in any way. It's more like I was scared to death my mom and dad would kill me if I didn't join. 
Guilt is like a really good thing if it gets you to do uh, the right thing. Uh, so uh, anyway, I, so I'm, I'm just more or less out of habit. And I found myself at a retreat. And at this retreat, there were literally hundreds of of uh, uh, college students, believers in Christ, and, and uh, it was just a, a great time. But what sticks in my mind is that I wound up in the cafeteria during one of the meals, like lunch, or, I don't know, probably lunch. And, uh, and I was surrounded by people. I didn't know them, but uh, the conversation went the way it was. And I remember I said something like this, I feel like I've been a Christian since day one. Now, look, all I meant by that was I was born into a Christian home. I can't remember a time when God wasn't a, a, a reality in my life and um, I was taught to believe in Jesus and accept all these things and go to church. So I feel like I've been participating in the Christian tradition since day one. That's all I meant, folks. The guy across the table from me leans over. He says, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? I mean, I, I just feel like I've been a Christian since day one. He says, ah, oh, so you believe in the doctrines of John Calvin and predestination, but that before the foundation of the world you were sealed and that God makes some for wrath and some for his glory and that, and that you think you're the one for the glory in heaven. And he started grilling me on John Calvin. I might be able to handle it now, but at the time I was lost not lost spiritually, but I was lost in the discussion. I didn't know what to do with this, you know. And he wanted to nail, you know, what about this Calvin guy? What about the doctrines of grace? What about predestination? What about election? You know, just nail all those things. Folks, that was the wrong question. When he heard me say, I feel like I've been a Christian since day one, how much better had he asked me, but are you walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? But are you walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? You see, back then, good Baptists really didn't talk about the Holy Spirit that much. Uh, you know, doxology time was about it, we, and, and there's some hymns that are Trinitarian in format, but by and large, we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit because the Pentecostals had already purchased rights to the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and, 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 and we, we couldn't get in on that, so uh, we just sort of left it to them. But, you know, we, we sort of had this idea that anybody who talked about the Holy Spirit was talking about this sort of emotionalism and worship and speaking in tongues and this, you know, all this kind of thing that we didn't want to be a part of, and so um, we just didn't talk that much about the Holy Spirit. Now, when I got to college, uh, during the course of events, and we'll relate those to you sometime, but um, eventually I, I, um, I was in a circle of Christians, and, and uh, a good segment of this circle of Christians were what were called charismatics. They're still called that, but uh, um, we're not as bothered by it as much. But this was sort of like the beginnings, opening movement of the charismatic movement. It's back in the 60s, uh, 1960s, okay, not the 1860s. But back, back in the 60s, and the charismatic movement was just getting going. They were all talking about the Holy Spirit. You had to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. had to speak in tongues and, and all this other. And a lot of my friends were, were there. That, that's where their, their, their uh, Christian uh, expression was. It was involved with the, the Spirit, baptism, and, and all that. Um, and so, as a result, I was sort of compelled to turn to the Scripture and to start finding out what does the Bible say about baptism in the Holy Spirit? What does the Bible say about the reception of the Holy Spirit? What does the Bible say about gifts? And what does it say about life in the Spirit? And so, um, in, in, in early on then in my, in my collegiate years, you know, I had to do this sort of, of, of tracking down of what the Scripture teaches about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And so it would have been better had this fellow leaned across the table and just said, but are you walking in the power 
of the Holy Spirit? It's the question I'd like to ask you today. But are you walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? Now, the first thing to notice is that you probably are, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you haven't made a move without the power of the Holy Spirit anyway. But you, you may not have known it. You may not have recognized it. It may not have, have sort of uh, computed in on your thinking process, and so you didn't appreciate it quite that way. But whatever God does, he does by the power of his Holy Spirit. You remember in, in uh, Genesis 1-1, the very first verse in the very first book of the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the first thing we learn is that God created the heavens and the earth. And then in verse 2, it says, and the Spirit was uh, brooding. It was hovering over the face of the deep. In other words, by verse 2, you have the Holy Spirit of God in vital connection to God's work of creation, in vital uh, connection and involvement in what God was doing in his creation. So you can't get two verses into the Bible before you have the Holy Spirit working out the purposes of God. By the way, read it when you get home. In verse 3 it says, And God said, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. You can't get three verses into the Bible without the Trinity. I just wanted to point that out. But the Holy Spirit is working from the very beginning of creation and working in ways that we cannot imagine, in ways that we often uh, don't see, in ways that sometimes we ignore. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a believer because the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of your heart and convicted you of your sin, showed you the truth of who Jesus Christ is, gave you the courage of faith to um, profess and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and say, Savior of your life. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, you've already had the most powerful working of the Holy Spirit in your life already. You may not have phrased it that way, but that is really the way we should think about it is the Holy Spirit is already working in your life. And if you're following with Christ, then the Holy Spirit continues to work in your life. You may not have thought of it that way. You know, sometimes you'll say, I needed strength. You know, I just needed strength to get through something, and I prayed that God would give me strength, and God gave me strength. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. You ever say, I needed wisdom? I need to know what the will of God is. I need to know where, where I should be investing my life, and God opened a door of opportunities that I could walk through. That was the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Spirit is at work in the life of the believer. It's just we don't talk about that enough. We don't give um, the, um, the, the credit, if you will, as much as we ought to the work of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why when I'm asking, are you walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you making the conscious effort to rely upon God's power and presence in the Holy Spirit to be at work in your life and guiding and, and, and structuring your life? Because that's what will make all the difference in who you are and in how you live. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that's my question for you. Now, maybe you're here this morning, and um, this Jesus thing is, is just not you. Uh, you're saying, well, you know, I, I, I have friends who are Christians. I'm sort of here today. I'm, I'm being polite. Maybe I'm with family, uh, whatever it is. And, and I get that, uh, and I understand that. And what we're going to be saying will have a lot of application to the life of those who are believers. But what I want you to be listening for is the fact that God works in the Holy Spirit to bring us to Christ. 
If you're here this morning and Jesus isn't your Lord, he's not your Savior, he's, you know, you're not just tracking with that, um, I, what I'd be praying is that as we go through this Scripture, you would be listening for God's Holy Spirit. Just, just uh, have, your, have your, uh, your mind open to the work of the Holy Spirit in that regard, okay? But let's look at the passage of Scripture and see what happened. It's over here. And see what happened when, when Paul encountered some folks and he, and he wanted to ask them the right diagnostic question. Verse 19, he gets to Corinth, or Apollos is in Corinth. Paul gets to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Evidently, he walked into Ephesus, and people said, you know, you're talking about a Messiah. We've got some folks, they're talking about a Messiah. Uh, you're talking about kingdom of God. We've got some folks here, they talk about kingdom of God. You, you're talking about baptism. We've got some folks here, they talk, they talk about baptism. You need to go check them out. And so, uh, Paul discovers that there's this group of disciples. He wants to go and to meet with them and to fellowship with them. And so, he goes, he finds some disciples. Now, in verse 2, it says, And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? You've got to ask, why did he ask the question? You know, what, what was the, the clue that he needed to ask about the Holy Spirit? I don't think it was a moral problem. You know, I, I doubt it seriously. If they're, if they're followers of John the Baptist, uh, they're, they're not, you know, struggling with whether or not sin is okay. <laughs> Uh, it's, not, it's not as though they are aliens to the Scriptures, to the Old Testament Scriptures, because as believers or followers of, of John the Baptist, uh, they're, they're, they're pretty much immersed in, in, the, in the scriptural foundation of, of, of what John had taught them. So, uh, it, it seems as though they, they were probably scripturally fine and morally fine, but uh, Paul's with them for a little while, and after a while he says, you know, there's something just not right here. Did you get the Holy Spirit? What was it that was going on? I can't, I can't prove this, but I suspect what happened was he got with them, they started worshiping together, and Paul never heard the name Jesus. He just never heard them talking about who Jesus is. You know, evidently they knew that John had pointed to the coming of a Messiah. Uh, he, he, they may even have known that he pointed to Jesus as, as this Messiah figure. But at, when it came to the death of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ, his resurrection on our behalf, his ascension into heaven, his session at the right hand of the Father, his soon coming return to judge uh, all of creation, that, you know, that wasn't a part of, of what they had, had absorbed uh, and they had not gotten that from John. And so Paul's looking at that and he's saying, you know, there's something not quite going here. And just to be a shorthand about it, did you get the Holy Spirit? Notice he didn't say, did you read John Calvin? <laughs> he didn't say, did you join a church? He didn't say, did you sign up for a ministry? He didn't say, did you, did you donate money to some TV evangelist? He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Because that's what it's all about. I wonder if Paul thought back about his own experience on the road to Damascus when Jesus stopped him and said, you know, Paul, I've got something else in mind for you. You're persecuting me. I want to send you out to the Gentiles. And so, um, Paul's life has changed. He goes into Damascus. He's been blinded by the vision, and he's there in Damascus. A Christian named Ananias comes to us and says this. He says, Brother Paul, as I have come that you might receive your sight and receive the Holy Spirit. Says I've come here so that your physical need can be met. You'll, you'll get your sight back. But what I've really come here is to seal the deal. I've come here so that you can receive the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's what happened to Paul. So as he's talking to these, these disciples in Ephesus, he said, did you get the Holy Spirit? Because that's what happened to me. 
That's what happened to Peter. That's what happened to James and John. It happened to everybody I know who's a believer in Jesus Christ. We all received the Holy Spirit. Did that happen to you? And here's what they say. They said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, look, from their Jewish background, from their Old Testament background, um, they knew that there's something called the Spirit of God, right? They knew that there was a Spirit of God. But what they knew under the Old Covenant was that the Spirit of God was given to some people for a particular task. The Holy Spirit might be given to a king, it might be given to a priest, it might be given to a prophet to inspire that work, to inspire that ministry. But the Holy Spirit in the Old Covenant was not given to everybody. And they knew that. They knew also that the Holy Spirit could be withdrawn. That's what happened to King Saul. And so when they say, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit, they're not saying, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, this spirit concept is totally alien to us. What they're saying is, we have not heard that Joel's prophecy has been fulfilled and that God has poured out his Holy Spirit upon all flesh, on all people. We haven't heard that the Holy Spirit now is distributed to every one of God's uh, redeemed. So that's what, that's what they're saying. We, we just didn't get that word. So let, let me set it up for you. Paul says, you know, there's something not quite clicking here. You need the Holy Spirit. Did you get the Holy Spirit? No, we haven't heard the Holy Spirit. The problem is the Holy Spirit. So now Paul is going to work to put the Holy Spirit, um, you know, up front, get the Holy Spirit into their lives. Are we together on this? All right. Here's how he does it. He says, they said, we're, we, we were uh, baptized by John. Paul says, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, when the problem was, do you have the Holy Spirit, the first thing Paul talks about is Jesus. The first thing he talks about is Jesus. You know, if you were to come to me and say, Pastor, can we talk about how the Holy Spirit can be in my life? How can the Holy Spirit of God, the presence and the power of God be resident in me? How can I have the Holy Spirit in my life? The first thing we're going to talk about is Jesus. We're going to talk about who he is. We're going to talk about his death. We're going to talk about the redeeming power of his blood. We're going to talk about the power of his resurrection. We're going to talk about his exaltation in heaven. We're going to talk about uh, his status as the one coming to judge the quick and the dead. Uh, We are going to talk about Jesus. So if you want to talk about having the Holy Spirit in your life, the first thing we're going to talk about is Jesus and who he is. The second thing we're going to talk about is Jesus and talk about who he is in your life. Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Have you come to the foot of the cross and confessed your sins and said, Lord, I I know that my sins are, are an offense to you. They have separated me from you. I'm worthy of death. But Lord, you have taken my sins on your uh, cross and you have died the death that I deserve. And I open my heart, Jesus Christ, be Lord of my life. So the second thing we're going to talk about is Jesus. And who is Jesus to you? He can't just be a concept, a historical figure, or some principle of life. It is the person of the Lord Jesus. Who is he to you? So first thing we talk about is Jesus. Second thing we talk about is Jesus. Now, the third thing we're going to talk about is Jesus. Are you serving in his name? 
Are you getting down on your hands and feet, uh, hands and knees, and washing the feet of others? Are you loving the people the way Jesus loved them? Are you giving your life in the service of the kingdom the way Jesus did? Are you serving like Jesus? So if we want to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit, if we want to talk about uh, the fellowship that we have in the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about Jesus first, middle, and last because that's what Paul did. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? You didn't. Well, I need to straighten you out about Jesus because once you get straight on who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit will be poured into your life. And as the Holy Spirit is poured into your life, You'll find power that you never dreamed of. You'll find encouragement, strength, stamina, wisdom, guidance, leadership, all because of the work of the Holy Spirit received in the name of Jesus Christ. So, uh, Paul says, well, uh, really what you need is Jesus. Now, the significance of this is that uh, at that time, there were a lot of folks uh, in the John the Baptist movement who thought, well, that's good enough. I mean, Jesus himself said that John the Baptist is the ultimate prophet under the Old Covenant. And, you know, if you read the entire Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament comes to its summation, its focal point in John the Baptist. Everything that the prophets said about the coming of the Messiah, everything the prophets said about the justice and the righteousness of God, everything that uh, the, the prophets said about the need for repentance in Israel comes to its focal point in the ministry and preaching of John the Baptist. Everything that the psalmist talked about in terms of worshiping God and relating to him and being surrendered to him and, and just your life filled with who God is, all that comes to its focal point in John the Baptist. Jesus said of all the prophets, of all the folks you read about in the Old Testament, John the Baptist is the greatest, but not enough because there needs to be the shed blood of the Messiah. And that's why he said when you accept Jesus Christ, it's not just that um, greatest concentration of what the Old Testament is about, but it is the fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ in your life, okay? So there's not two plans. It's not, it's not like, uh, um, uh, well, if you don't like option A, you can take option B or something like that. It's all about Jesus. And so, Paul says, the problem is you don't have the Holy Spirit, and here's the answer, it's Jesus Christ. See, this morning, if you're wondering, are are you walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? The answer is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if you know him as your Lord and Savior, are you serving in his name? Are you living in his name? Are you you just um, moving everything about your life towards who Jesus Christ is? Now, this is One reason why maybe we don't think about the Holy Spirit that much is because the whole uh, function of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Christ. The work of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Christ that we might come to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit never points to himself always points to Christ. And that's why it's, it's, it's easiest for us sometimes to just sort of uh, talk in terms, well, I'm, uh, you know, God help me, Jesus help me, that kind of thing. But it's through the power and it's through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's why we have the doctrine of the Trinity and the fullness of God. So, he says, uh, let's, let's uh, uh, get straight on who Jesus is. And they're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. By the way, Jesus told his followers to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the... I'm going to say Holy Ghost because... Um, Uh, There's a few King James folks here. That's the way I learned it, folks, and that's the way we sing it every day. (laughs) Now, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues, and they began prophesying. 
This may be what scares us off the Holy Spirit, this tongues thing. Now, if you look at the book of Acts, uh, when the Holy Spirit came upon the church in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, says they began to speak in other tongues, and the whole indication there is that they were speaking tongues that, that somebody understood, just languages that they had not possessed. And as they spoke in these languages, the people of Jerusalem gathered from all over the world were able to hear the gospel in a language they could understand. Uh, Tongues then is also mentioned in the home of Cornelius when the gospel crosses that barrier into the Gentile uh, world. And uh, there it was given as a sign so that the apostles could see that and say, wow, the Holy Spirit really is is at work there. And this is the only other mention in the book of Acts of, of the gift of tongues, again, to certify that it wasn't a matter of, oh, I'm a disciple of John the Baptist. Now I'm just a better disciple of John the Baptist. No, there was an entirely new work and new life in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the tongues is signifying. There's no indication in Scripture anywhere that um, all Christians spoke in tongues. This was a, a, a particular sign given at a particular time to convey a particular message in a particular context. Okay. But they began, it says, exhibiting the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit uh, through this, this gift. It's called uh, the, the gift of tongues. Now, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is not an emotion. And the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. When we're talking about walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about getting in a room someplace, and, you know, and just sort of trying to work your mind into it, you know, om, om until you are absorbed into the allness of the oneness, you know, that kind of, no. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is, the, is, the, is the, the third person of the Trinity, the very presence of God in your life. And the Holy Spirit comes because of the promise and the grace of God, not because you can gin up some kind of emotion, not because you have some kind of feeling going on, but because of God's promise that when you accept Christ, he will give you the Holy Spirit as the guarantee of your salvation and the one who works out his redemptive purposes in your life. So they began uh, to, to just experience life of the Spirit. And then it says, and they began to prophesy. Uh, most of us think of prophecy as fortune-telling. You know, so it says, and they began to predict the stock market. No, that's not it. <laughs> what prophecy is, prophecy is speaking the Word of God to God's people for a particular time to... Uh, to, to shape their lives according to God's will. So prophecy is speaking the Word of God. In other words, these folks began to proclaim Jesus. They began to worship and adore and to exalt who Jesus is. So that was the outworking of the descent of the Holy Spirit into their lives. That's what happened to them. And then the Scripture says there are about 12 of them, sort of a, a symbolic number, meaning that there was a full fellowship, the fullness of the fellowship um, uh, was, was brought in to this. So, Paul comes to these folks. He doesn't see evidence of Christ, so he asks them, do they have the Holy Spirit? They say, no, we don't have the Holy Spirit. So, Paul tells them about Jesus. When they accept Jesus, then the Holy Spirit descends upon them. Now, with that as sort of the biblical framework, I want to ask you again, are you living and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you relying upon the Holy Spirit working in your life to accomplish God's purposes in your life? You know, in, in the uh, letter to the Ephesians, uh, same, same church, uh, in the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
As a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is given to you. We can ignore the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can sort of sidestep and, 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 you know, be recalcitrant and disobedient to the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is given to every believer in Jesus Christ. But Paul says, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. But then he goes on in the next three verses, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's what that's going to look like. It's going to look like singing songs and singing hymns and spiritual songs and encouraging one another. It's going to result in worshiping together. Being filled with the Holy Spirit will lead us to worship together in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and giving thanks to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, a little bit of Trinity going on there too. I like to point these things out. But he says, being filled with the Holy Spirit means giving thanksgiving to God, particularly in the name of the Son. So there will be a life of thanksgiving. And then he says, and being submissive to one another, being serving, uh, being servants to one another. When you're filled by the Holy Spirit, you're going to want to submit your life to the welfare of others and serve in the name of Christ. So my heart's desire for you this morning is that you would live and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would trust in the Holy Spirit, that you would draw strength from the Holy Spirit, that you would gain comfort from the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit of God would be at work in your life in a very real and evident way, so that you would be looking for that and giving God the praise and the honor and the glory for it. And here's why I think it's so important for us today. We've been singing, uh, you know, all the songs today about, have been about relying upon God in, in the times of trouble, in the valleys, pressing on, finding strength. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you come into a place in life and you're just so confused, you don't know what to do, and you don't know where to turn, you don't know how it's going to turn out, and you say, God, you've just got to work and get this, get me through this. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And my prayer is that all of us would just take a moment in, you know, in, in those times of crisis and the times of challenge and would just say, Lord, you've given me the Holy Spirit. You're present in my life, personally present in my life. You're going to do all things well. It's going to work out for your glory. It may not be the way I design it, but God, it'll be the way you want it. And that's fine with me. And that's why my prayer is that you would walk and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because then, no matter what happens, You'll be living for the glory of the Father in the name of the Son, and it will be by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. And Father, how thankful we are that your gifts are not dependent upon our merit, but Father, that you give to us freely of your grace day by day and moment by moment uh, without hesitation. Father, without... uh, just doling it out, but, Father, just an abundance of your Spirit. And so I'm praying for the folks in this room, Father, I would pray that each one would receive the Holy Spirit in a real and powerful way, that every believer in this building, in this room today, would come to rejoice in seeing your Spirit at work in their lives. Father, let your Spirit work for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.